Welcome to the Omni Sports Podcast. Featuring your host, Bobby Lapita. Hello and welcome everyone back to another week of the Omni Sports Podcast. It's me, Bobby Labita, your sports friend, and I am here to get you caught up on the latest in NBA basketball. So if you decided that last week was your time to catch up on succession after all the memes and you didn't watch any basketball, don't worry, I got you. This week's episode is action-packed. We got another Bobby is a dum-dum. Can you believe it? I was dumb again. Following that, we have my three storylines of the week. We have our news and notes, and we're going to talk about a lot of stats today. We're halfway through the season. Many teams have played 41 games, and I think it's time we do a deep dive on some stats. And we'll end the day with a little fantasy tip for those who are willing to stick around. Before we dive into all of that good good, we have to talk about the sponsor of this week. And lucky for all of you, this week's sponsor, this week's episode is brought to you by depression because that's what i have as a los angeles fan lakers they suck los angeles rams losing the playoffs oh and you lost to your former quarterback he traded away because you didn't think he was good enough and he you didn't do it under good circumstances so you feel like you did this guy dirty who did nothing wrong other than not play so good in some important games jared goff i'm sorry so uh as a as a rams fan as an la fan i have a lot of depression but the great thing about sports it can always get worse bobby is a dumb dumb bobby is a dumb dumb bobby is dumb this is the second time this year I've had to do a segment on Bobby is a dum-dum about Victor Wimbiana. This time it's a little different. Before I said his name wrong, and in the last episode, I gave him the wrong age. I said he was 19, which was silly of me, because he's 20. Um, so Victor, I'm sorry. Uh, clearly your brilliance has blinded me to many basic facts about you, and uh, I'm so sorry. In my defense, you just turned, like, I think he turned 20 pretty recently. Actually, let me fact-check myself so I don't have to make a third segment about Victor in this podcast. January 4th. That's when that's when he turned 20, so I was only a little off. But don't worry, we will be talking about a 19-year-old later, Gigi Jackson. That's what we call foreshadowing. Normally we play an audio clip before the storylines, but this storyline I don't think really needs an audio clip. Uh, In really unfortunate news, this past week the Warriors postponed a couple of their games, and the reason is very sad. Their assistant coach, Dayan Mayoyevich, during a team dinner had a severe heart attack, and the entire team watched as he later passed away. And uh, that was so traumatic that the NBA decided to postpone two of the Warriors games. Um, And so this is really sad. I think it's really hard. You know, we're dealing with humans. We're all human beings. And to witness something so traumatic, the entire Warriors team, especially with the season they're having, is just like an extra an extra layer of. Uh, difficulty. And so all those who uh, know Dayon or Warriors fans, uh, we're so sorry for this. Um, And somewhat, you know, heartening 
reaction to this. The Raptors coach, who was very close to Dayon, um, the first game of the Raptors uh, after he passed away, the first play he ran was a play he learned from Dayon um, to honor him, and the Raptors played with a lot of heart and won. So, Dayon, you've touched a lot of hearts. You've made a lot of people better at basketball, and I hope you're doing that wherever you are right now. And I think it's interesting Typically, probably pre-COVID, we don't see a cancellation like this. But with COVID, it became more common to postpone or cancel uh, sporting events. And so um, I'm sure it's hard for the fans who had tickets. But I think I think humans come first and needing time to grieve makes a lot of sense. So my heart goes out to anyone affected or involved. And I just want to let me let me see that, man. I just want to show you guys why I got kicked out of the game right here this is in the first ha- uh, this is in the third qu- third quarter with 128 left to go in, in, in the third and right here you can watch you can watch go back and watch that's got to go two to tie three to win 5.2 left no timeouts left for the Bucks. here comes Dane three seconds Dane pulls for the win In what was one of the wildest games so far this year, we have the Sacramento Kings against the Milwaukee Bucks heading into overtime. And during this game, Mike Brown was ejected. And after the game, he showed reporters clips from the la- his laptop. He like opened his laptop and was like, look at this, buddy. Um, and uh, he, he got fined for it, though I thought it was hilarious. Um, and Dame finally had his first big game winner with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, if you are unfamiliar, Dame is known for having soul crushing three pointers that are way too far away that you should not take as the last shot, but Dame chooses to. And when he chooses to, he wins more often than not. GG Shaq here. I don't have any questions. I just want to say congratulations, young fella. You played a hell of a game, and if people didn't know who you were, they know who you are now. I'm so proud yes, sir, of you. Congratulations you. on being you. ready, brother. Well, yes, Gigi, sir, it's an honor to get to hear your voice. Appreciate you. Thank you. Well, Gigi, you could tell it was Shaq Heat, but he was mumbling. Uh, <laughs> What you just heard may have been the cutest moment of the NBA basketball season. Gigi Jackson of the Memphis Grizzlies scored 23 points. Following doing this, he's 19 years old, he's the youngest player in the league, he had an interview and he thought it was going to be with the local broadcast. But lo and behold, over his headset, he hears Shaquille O'Neal, Hall of Famer, one of the best ever to do it, asking him questions, which led to Gigi's face looking completely shocked and dismayed um, in such an adorable and earnest way. Um, and sometimes it's wild to think about these athletes that at one point they were young, bright kids, just like hoping to one day be players to make it big. And then they, you know, have these moments. So Gigi, shout outs to you for having a great game and shout outs to you having a conversation with Shaquille O'Neal. I hope it went and was everything you dreamed of. News and notes. Two to play in the third. Fun game here in the Twin Cities. Look at the moves by Edwards. Swash ball and slamming. Anthony Edwards skies. Are you kidding me?
It may be weird to start a news and notes segment with audio of a play, but Anthony Edwards this week did, I think, my favorite play of the whole season, where he threw the ball off the backboard with an assist to himself and slammed it down. If you haven't had the chance to watch the Timberwolves and or specifically watch Anthony Edwards play, he is magic and it is so fun to watch him. He's so athletic. He's so gifted. And just what I love about doing this podcast is I feel like every week I'm talking about some new amazing talent. And so if you're new to basketball, this is, again, maybe the best time to ever get into it because there's just so much talent. But along with talent and things happening in the season, we also have some trades. The Raptors are at it again with another trade, but this time with the Pacers. So the Raptors receive in this trade Bruce Brown, Kira Lewis, Jordan Newa, Two first-round picks via the Pacers and a conditional 2026 first-round pick via the Pacers. What a conditional pick is is that you don't automatically get it. There are certain conditions placed on it. Usually those conditions are how good uh, the team places because that can affect the draft pick. Pacers receive Pascal Siakam, who had been looked at as a trade asset, finally traded, and the Pacers also receive a future second-round pick. And the Raptors got Christian Coloco, who they uh, promptly waived. Um, And so the Raptors made another big splash, which I think probably in the long run will be good for the Raptors. And for the Pacers, I think this is a really good move. You get a really talented player um, trying to integrate him, especially while Tyrese is, you know, getting better and coming back. Um, And I think this could move the needle a little bit for the Pacers. In my opinion, it doesn't put them in championship contender territory, but it definitely pushes them closer to uh, being in that territory. And the Raptors, you know, they're playing for the future. Bruce Brown, who they acquired, there's a good chance he could be traded to another team. And that's something you'll notice. And as you're paying attention to the season, there might be certain teams like the Raptors who end up making four or five deals because they're just trying to move so many assets. And so as we get closer to the trade deadline, really pay attention. It's, uh, it seems like every year it gets more dramatic and more talented uh, Talent is moved. Expect over the next month me to talk more about trades as the makeup of the NBA will gradually change. And if I didn't let you know about those trades next season, you would look and go, huh? Who's that guy? Why is he wearing that jersey? And speaking of wearing different jerseys, the All-Star Game is getting closer to us February 18th. I hope you're all excited for All-Star Weekend. All-Star voting just ended a couple of days ago. If you were voting, I hope you got your picks in. In a future episode, I may talk about who I voted for, but the starters will be announced this Thursday and the reserves will be announced at a later date. So pay attention. It's always exciting to see who gets picked for the All-Star Game. Expect a lot of anger by fans who felt like their player was disrespected and this matters a lot to players Uh, not necessarily the all-star game itself that's actually they usually don't care at all about it but becoming an all-star because there's financial implications um if you do well right that can be used as a bargaining chip in a contract agreement um and some contracts um do better based off of how voting works usually that's not all-star voting it's like end of the year season voting which we'll talk about 
when the end of the season comes up. But just expect there to be a lot of drama and arguments over the next couple of weeks uh, when people are upset, uh, when inevitably someone really, really good is left off the All-Star team because there's just too many good uh, players. And um, All-Star folks, you have 11 per team, but you for All-NBA, we have 15. Let's, let's have 15 players from uh, on both teams let's have 30 of the best players that's that's my pitch um listen to me nba i'll fix all your problems and for the last bit of news we may have had our finals preview this week the denver nuggets played the boston celtics in what was a really close game that ended up being 102 to 100 and many people would probably bet money that this would be the finals matchup. The Celtics have been close the last couple years and were in the finals two years ago, and obviously the Nuggets won last year. And all I can say is that we would be so lucky to be treated a series of this, though we may go blind from looking at Derek White's bald head. In this segment today, first we're going to look at the major stat leaders in different categories, and then we're going to really look at what the playoff picture um, looks like. But first, looking at stats, I think right now is a great time to look into stats. I haven't talked about stats really a lot in the last few episodes, and I feel like it's time to go hard. And the reason for that is... Uh, we're 41 games into the season, or a lot of teams are, and that's the halfway point. And a halfway point feels like a natural place to check in. So I'm going to go over some of these major categories and some of the leaders. I'm not necessarily going to talk about every single person in the top five of those categories. Um, I don't want to spend too much bogged down in numbers, but I'm going to try to highlight things that I find very interesting. So first, we'll start with the category with names you may not hear a lot. First, we have the three-point percentage category, where your winner currently is Grayson Allen with 48.6%, um, or as my girlfriend calls him, Grayson Penis Allen. Um, I don't know why, but just whenever he scores a touchdown, both she and I scream, Penis! So, I said he scores a touchdown, oh my god, uh, whenever he gets a three-point shot, because that's really all he shoots. As you can tell, evidenced by his great uh, three-point percentage. You also have Lonnie, Mock, Lonnie Walker and Malik Beasley is second and third, which continues the trend of, if you're a Lakers player... When you're on the Lakers, you can't shoot a three, but the second you leave, you can do it. And then you have Kevin Durant, who's the only high-volume shooter, three-point percentage shooter um, in this statistic. So for for your fantasy purposes, Kevin Durant's probably the most useful for you. But Grayson and the others deserve an ad. Going into field goal percentage, you have a bunch of names you probably expect. You have Jacob Podol. Daniel Gafford, Jarrett Allen, um, you have maybe not expected, but makes sense, Zubak and Jalen Duran. All of these folks are big guys who shoot close to the rim, and so they have a high field goal percentage spanning anywhere from 68.5 to 64.6, which is really high. Usually you want at least a 50% field goal percentage. So when you're 15 to 20% higher than that, that's significant. Looking at steals, one thing I want to know, in third, you have tied Kawhi, Leonard, and Paul George. So good on the Clippers for getting a lot of steals at 1.6. Then in second, you have Donovan Mitchell with 1.9. But your champion right now is Shea Gilligas Alexander at 2.2, which 
statistically is quite a significant jump from the 1.9 with steals when you're dealing with a category that's so low. I expect he's going to win this, and you know Shea is having an amazing season and will probably be easily a top five uh, MVP candidate, in my opinion, especially if the Thunder keep doing really, really well. Next, looking at blocks, you got your big, big guys. You have in fifth Anthony Davis, who was first for a lot of the year, but has gone down a little bit. Not so much he's gone down. I think more of the players around him have gone up. Chet Holmgren, the rookie, though it's his second year in the league, he's still a rookie because it's his first year playing in fourth. Walker Kessler from Utah, who does not get a lot of minutes, but Walker Kessler, I heard a statistic recently, has some of the best rim protection numbers of the last couple decades. So if you're trying to trying to score, don't 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 try to score on Walker Kessler. Then you got Brooke Lopez, but your winner in blocks per game by quite a lot with 3.2 blocks per game is Victor Wembenyama. Um, and I imagine he's going to leave this category for a very long time. So if you care about blocks, draft Victor early in your season next year. Looking at assists, most of the candidates in the top four make a lot of sense. But in fifth, who may surprise you is Fred Van Fleet. New to the Houston Rockets, but definitely not new to the league in fifth with 8.5 assists per game. (coughs) Fourth, you have Nikola Jokic with 9.1. And you have Luka Doncic with 9.2. And then you have a dramatic jump up with Trey Young at 10.8. And in first still, you have Tyrese Halliburton at 12.6, who is putting together one of the best assist seasons of all time. He, this season, had back-to-back games where he got 20 points and 20 assists, which is only done by two other players in NBA history. Um, Tyrese, I hope you get better and you're able to lead the Pacers to the playoffs. Now, looking at rebounds, again, you got some uh, usual sus- suspects here. In fifth, you have Giannis. In fourth, you have Jokic. In third, you have AD. And second, you have Rudy Gobert, potential Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And in first, in rebounds per game, you have DeMontes Sabonis from the Kings, who's been playing amazing this year. He's been getting a lot of stats, but if you actually watch, he's really... He might be currently the best player on the Kings, which, um, as a De'Aaron Fox fan, that hurts to say. And in points per game, in fifth, you have Kevin Durant at 29.2. And then you have four players above 30 points. You actually have four players above 31 points per game, which is astonishing. Normally in a season, it's impressive if a player is above 30 points. But with 31.1 points, you have Shea. 31.2 points, you have Giannis. Then you have a pretty big step up at 33 points. Point six points with Luka Doncic, and then with 35 points a game, which is the, I think, third highest, would be third highest of this of this century. I'm not looking this up, but I, it feels right, because I think Kobe had 36 one time, and Harden had 36, and then, of course, back Jordan way ago had 36, 37, something like that. But Joel Embiid, 35. We'll see if he can keep it up. But if it matters to you, if you're playing in a fantasy points per game, Joel Embiid is currently your leader in getting the most fantasy points per game. But enough of just looking at some of the best players who you can expect on some of those all-star teams we were talking about earlier. Let's look at how the teams are doing. Again, halfway through the year, I think, is a great time to be looking at some of these big picture things. So I'm going to be breaking the NBA down into five tiers. Historically bad, appropriately bad, meh, 
playoff contenders and championship contenders. So starting off with your historically bad, and the reason this tier exists this year is because there's actually multiple teams that fall into this category. So who are these teams? Well, teams I've been ragging on a lot of this season. You have the Detroit Pistons at four and 38, the Washington Wizards at seven and 35, and then you have the San Antonio Spurs at eight and 34. If you want to put the Charlotte Hornets in there at nine and 31, I think I think you could do that. So you got four like historically bad teams and then you have a few teams who are appropriately bad and what i mean by this is not every team's going to be good you expect some to be bad and these teams are bad but in a manner that doesn't feel historically problematic so you have portland you have memphis uh on the west you have toronto brooklyn and possibly atlanta unless they get their stuff together they're kind of all on that periphery um honest uh the of just kind of the bad you expect and then you have the uh meh and uh, in this tier, I think you just have a few teams. You have Golden State, um, who is currently struggling. That's probably where Atlanta belongs, is in the meh tier. You have Chicago. You have um, possibly Houston. Maybe. I don't think you have the Lakers, though the Lakers are fighting hard to get into that category. And that's kind of it for that category, just because we have a lot of teams that will be in the playoffs or are, are scraping near near that and a couple of teams in the mech category still have plenty of time to get there i'm not going to spend too much time on this tier because it is a lot of the teams that could be potentially playoff contenders so if i haven't said the team yet it's probably there but i'm going to get now into the championship contender uh category i think there are potentially six teams i could see in the finals and if i'm wrong well we'll we'll call myself out we'll call out current me and the future so future Future me can be mad at past me who's present me it makes sense but i think you have three teams from each conference so again the east i think has been easy this whole year i think you have clear three top teams you have the sixers you have milwaukee and you have boston boston i think is clearly at the top of that tier you know they're 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 four games ahead they have the best record in basketball and pretty much they always are competitive even in games they lose except for that one game against milwaukee we talked about last week and then in the west i think you have the uh denver nuggets who are obviously contender i think the clippers are a contender and while i think oklahoma city will end up getting the first seed in the West, I don't consider them a contender just yet. I think they need a little more playoff experience, and maybe they'll prove me wrong, just like the the Thunder from 2011 and 12 did. But I think the Minnesota Timberwolves would be my third team that could do well in the playoffs. I think last year we were all so sour on them after the Rudy Gobert trade and things didn't work out that we're constantly kind of ignoring the fact that they've had the best record consistently, you know, in the West throughout the whole season. And they have the best defense and i think that's going to matter a lot and i think anthony edwards has taken a step up and i think he could be a true superstar and i think he could be someone that really can apply that offensive pressure because my worry with the timberwolves is not the defense of course but it's the offense but i think ant could really carry that team offensively if he needed to so this week in our trends and streaks we looked at the leaders in the different major stat categories
categories. We also just looked at how the NBA is doing in general. But like I said, don't turn away because we got a fantasy tip for you. And it's not just a fantasy tip, everyone. It is a life tip. And that is don't give up. Don't ever give up. Now, many of you just completed week 13, and depending when your playoffs are, you might have anywhere from four to even eight more weeks of fantasy basketball. And this is a time of the year where I'm seeing it in my own league. People are getting a little worse at putting people into their starting lineup, moving injured players, and you could be a person who sneaks into the playoffs because someone doesn't follow through as much as they should in setting their lineups. The NBA season's hard. It's a long season. It's hard to stay active and engaged. It's really easy at the beginning, but it's kind of harder in this middle, mushy part of the season. So if you're able to stay engaged, maybe make a trade with someone who's not paying close attention. These are all things you should be doing because every year I feel like in any fantasy sport I do, there's always someone who's like, oh, I started one in seven and then I won the championship. What matters in fantasy sports is getting to the playoffs because anything can happen any given week as long as you give yourself a chance to do that. And if you give up and stop paying attention now, you're not going to give future you a chance to do that and win that sweet, sweet money. And if you're not playing for money, I know you want to win those bragging rights. I know you do. So don't don't give up because if you do, I'll cry. I'll cry and don't make me please i don't i don't want to but i do want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the omni sports nba podcast i'm your host bobby labita if you've enjoyed this episode please give us a review or a like please check us out we are on spotify we're anywhere where you can get podcasts i think assuming that the producer of the show did his job aka me and i just really want to say i've really enjoyed this journey so far with all of you this season if you're enjoying please feel free to reach out at omnisports423 at gmail.com i'm happy to hear any suggestions hear any reasons why i'm dumb and need to correct myself in the future so please tell your friends and follow us if you want to on tiktok we're on instagram we're on x we have a youtube which is currently doing actually pretty well so i would love for you to check out we have a lot of content that is not podcast related or even basketball related but don't worry it's always sports related here at omnisports and i hope you have a wonderful wonderful week